coming to you from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. This is the Right Hash. Right Hash is brought to you by Slim Sweet and by Speedy Custom Sneakers. Now let's spark it up with your hosts, Luke Nadkarni and Alex Thompson. Hello and welcome yeah. once again to another episode of The Right Hash. We are in the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. You're probably wondering by now where those are. It's really wherever we choose to be when we, when we record this show, Alex. Right right now we're in kind of on turf. Uh, I'm in I'm in my spot in Winston. You're in your spot in Fuquay. Uh, but uh, we're planning on doing an in-person episode today uh, at wherever that happens. That will be the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. So you you get the picture here. How how you doing, man? doing good and uh if you follow us on twitter at the right hash uh you saw a photo of uh luke nad Carney's home studio um and i just tweeted as of about 10 minutes ago um th- my setup my home studio so uh if if you want to if you want to visualize what the work looks like you can go over to our twitter page again at the right hash check that out give us a follow um retweet help spread this podcast out but uh Man, things are going great. We're recording here late Tuesday evening. Uh, there's some great late night basketball on right now, and uh, I'm I'm so excited for this podcast. I'm so excited. Yeah, man. We're talking. We were talking all day about this one, um, and we've got reason to be excited. By the way, I'm Luke Ned Carney. That's Alex Thompson. In case you guys had not figured that out by now, uh, but we've got. Lots of coaching carousel talk. I really enjoyed what we did last week on the coaching carousel. I think we just scratched the surface. So we're going we're gonna to go deeper into that uh, in just a little bit. Um, we've got plenty of games to pick. We're going to expand our, our pick segment a little bit um, in the spirit of the holiday weekend and rivalry week as well. So really two different holidays if you like food and like college football here, which we both do. Um, and then we're going to debut a new segment. The Grinder, and it's related to what Alex just talked about on our Twitter. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to do just do one subject tonight, but we've got listener requested segments. And uh, it's going to be uh, top five, not really top five, but we're just going to kind of talk about our favorite sports fights. So I'm, I'm really stoked to uh, debut The Grinder tonight, Alex. How about you? Yeah. Um, what, what we ask you guys to go tweet us and throw us into the grinder. Give us something tough to talk about. Maybe something a little bit out of left field, which um, our, our friend Connor has done for us, which is uh, is the the topic of the fights tonight. But um, please go, go go throw something random in there. Go throw something interesting. Um, you know, we, we, we stay kind of in a lane, so to speak, at least during football season. So if you want to take us out of that lane for a little bit, drop us something on the Twitter, and uh, we'll be sure to discuss it. And I go way back. More on him a little bit later when we get to the grinder. I'd like to thank a couple of folks heard in the opening. Slim Sweets, producing top-quality homemade bakery products in an environment that is safe, clean, and friendly for our community. I'm sure our pal Earl is uh, busy this time of year making pies. Uh, my favorite's apple pie. We're also going to talk about food, so I'll tease that a little bit. My favorite's apple pie. How about you? Yeah, I'm definitely an apple pie person. Uh, I, I don't turn down much, though, Luke. <laughs> I know me either. Give her a, a look on Facebook or Instagram. Slim Sweets. Also, like to thank Speedy Customs, a shoe service company founded by Miles Speed, specializing in customizing and restoring shoes. Could be sports logos, cartoon characters, whatever you choose to design. 
Instagram at Speedy Customs with a Z, not an S, Speedy Customs, and website speedycustoms.com or through the personal Facebook Miles Speed. So the government works out of the way, Alex, and we're going to start with Hold on, our real fantasy. Real quick, uh, yeah. I was actually going to say, I've talked to several folks just about the podcast, and each one of them, I swear, 100% of the people I have talked to have mentioned how much they enjoyed having Miles talk on the, the episode he was on. So just wanted to throw that out there, Miles, if you're listening. Uh, fo- folks really enjoyed your segment. Um, uh, someone brought up that they were very impressed with your throwback to the Boise State-Oklahoma game. So just wanted to throw that out there. Also, give this guy a follow on Twitter. You might earn yourself some money over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I guess it was Sunday Night Football the Steelers played. They were getting absolutely trounced. He tweeted out, if the Steelers come back, I'll give somebody $20. And uh, that game got pretty darn close there at the end, so I know he was sweating was, about that. <laughs> I, I, was about to, I was about to comment back and be like, hey, drop my, drop my cash app or something. But uh, yeah, so, luckily, luckily Miles did not have to hand over that money as the Steelers fell to the Chargers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he would have been happy giving up the 20, but uh, uh, go give him a follow. Great time having him on. We hope to have him on uh, sometime here in the future again. I know we will, but just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I've re- good, good call. I, I, uh, I appreciate the feedback from, uh, from our listeners as well. We always want that, and that's why we started the grinder. But we're going to start with our opening segment that we've kind of shoved in here in the last couple of shows, and that's our fantasy football banter. And Alex, I took a big L this week, uh, I, and as I usually do from our pal Mike Barlow, the insane Clay Posse. Um, it wasn't really decided until Mike Williams' long touchdown in that aforementioned Sunday night football game, um, but I made a big blunder. I had Kirk Cousins in the starting slot. I didn't like the matchup, uh, so I, I scoured the waiver wire. You're going to probably roast me for this, but Baker Mayfield was playing the Lions, so I was like, you know what? Him against the Lions, I like that matchup better than I like Kirk Cousins against the Packers, a Packers defense that had only given up one passing touchdown in their last three games. I made the switcheroo because Matthew Stafford's on a bye week, and boy, I paid for that. Yeah, in hindsight, uh, not 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 a great choice, but Baker's one of those guys who I feel like Eight times out of ten, he's gonna do nothing for you. But two times out of ten, you know you're you're, you're gonna be happy that you played him. Um, and when you're when you're just kind of streaming quarterbacks like that, sometimes two times out of ten is not that bad of a uh, of a hit chance. So you know I'm not gonna roast you too bad about the pickup. Uh, I just not, I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan at all. Yeah, yeah. I I um I also didn't really get the production I needed from my receivers. Tyreek Hill, eleven points. I need more than that from him. You know, he's he was my number one pick. Um, yeah, he's he's one of those players who can get you forty points if you, if if it works out that way. And he's he's gotten me. He's he's carried me a couple games, but man, I, I need more more than that from him. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna unfortunately say that I, my week was significantly worse than yours in about every facet that it could have been. Um, I came in with a whopping sixty eight points. Uh, I had two slots on my entire team score a touchdown this week. That was Debo Samuel and the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Um, I, I got no touchdowns out of Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Kyle Pitts, or LaVisca Chenault. And not, none of those folks even topped nine points, dude. Uh, Tyler Lockett, sorry, had 11. It was just an absolutely miserable week in that league. So that season's over. I've switched gears into my other league. 
um, when I'm in second place, doing just fine. So, uh, you know, refocus. That league's in, in my past. Uh, trade deadline, I believe, is coming up this weekend, so that roster would just kind of be set where it is. That being said, we we had some really, really monumental fantasy performances this weekend. I just want to give a couple shout-outs to these guys. Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert. All of those guys just had massive weeks for their position. Um, anyone I'm missing there that had just had kind of a monster week? Uh, I'm trying to trying to remember, trying to look back. Um, Zach Ertz. Sorry, Zach Ertz at the tight end yeah. position. See, I, I actually – I had a I had a, a, a broadcast on Sunday, so I, I didn't get I got to I, I could watch a lot of the games, but I couldn't have sound. And right. I was my, my attention was after the Washington Carolina game, my attention was kind of diverted until I could get home and watch the second half of the Chiefs game. Um, but man, I I, I I just I really I can't shake the insane clowny posse, man. I, I, Mr. Barlow texted me this morning, roasted me a little bit. Uh, I, I, you know, I deserved it. He sent me a screenshot of the of the score, you know, the scoreboard with all the scores from the players, and all I could do was look at it and be like, "Man, yep, that happened." Yeah, for like the twentieth for the twentieth year in a row, the insane clowny posse defeats my team, with whose name I change basically every week. And it sucks because I I named his team way back when we were at Campbell. I gave him the name, and he's used it for like every single fantasy team in every league he's ever run. Well, it works um, for him. I mean. So I, and, and, I know, but I feel bad for giving birth to it. And I didn't even, and I didn't even mention this at the beginning. So back be, uh, earlier in the season, Barlow wants me to trade him, Matthew Stafford, George Kittle, and I think Josh Jacobs or one of the other one of my running backs for Hollywood Brown, Lamar Jackson, and another running back. And I declined, and Hollywood and Lamar were both out on Sunday. So I was like, man, this is hilarious. I, I caught a huge break. I'm going to, I'm going to, going to have a, going to, I got the edge here. And, you know, that, that, as I've said, just didn't really happen. Barlow with the long game. He, he saw it coming a mile away. He was prepared for it. He said, I know that both these guys are going to be out. We got to make sure Luke gets stuck with them. So uh, this, this good, week, good, good I, job um, declining that. <laughs> yeah. This, this week I played the underperformers. Um, who I think are we deep enough in the season to where we're where we're going back to who we started with? What do you mean? Like so, you play each each opponent, oh. and then then you start over no. where you began. Will be your it will be your your that's finish. bad news. And, me, but we'll, that uh, we'll, that loops into a real quick. I just have a I have a general fantasy question for us to answer. Going to your your, your point about Tyreek Hill, do you have any sleeper pickups for the Chiefs owners who are coming into Thanksgiving week? Folks who own Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, and, and any sleeper pickups that you can think of to pick up for these guys? I'm scrolling down the, the waiver wire now. Um, I'm looking at looking at matchups. And it, it's it, you can because you can look at any player, look at his stats, but but what I look at every Sunday is the matchups. And Sammy yeah. Watkins is going up against a Cleveland pass defense that has not really played that well this season he i don't know if he's a starter depending on who else you've got in your in your league but you know this is this is a, a ravens team with a lot of offensive firepower they can spread the field you know you've got guys who can run you've got mark andrews who's one of the best tight ends in the league in my opinion 
and then you've got the receivers. You know, Hollywood Brown's probably going to get if he if he can play is probably going to get the most uh, most attention, and that opens things up for Sammy Watkins. I'm kind of kind of cheating here because I'm looking at the star ratings. Um, James Washington against a Cincinnati pass defense that ranks 21st so far in 20, 2021. He's another guy who is on our waiver wire who you might want to take a flyer on. Um, and remember this this week we've got three games on Thursday, so. Uh, you want to you want to make sure if you got any lions or bears or cowboys or raiders or bills or saints, want to make sure you uh, know know what you're doing there. Yeah, I agree. I think if uh, Ramondre Stevenson's out there on your waiver wires, you probably want to go snag him too. Um, yeah, I really only talked about wide receivers. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that you know that's that's fine. That's that's your matchup. I I have Kelsey and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in another league. Um, with Travis Kelsey, I mean, you just kind of pick up the best guy available. Uh, I kind of like Evan Ingram week over week. I like Dan Arnold if he's still out there. Um, and then for running back, like I said, Ramon J. Stevenson, if you can snag him, if he's still available, is a really good one. Maybe David Johnson, one of the Texans running back since they dropped uh, Flex Burkhead this morning. Um, <laughs> so just, you know, so, some quick Thanksgiving Day uh, uh, plays or Thanksgiving week plays, I should say. Um, for folks who are having to suffer through that that Chiefs bye week, because that that for many people has been a drag on their season, with the Chiefs not being as good fantasy wise as they were supposed to be, um, and that's that's really carrying over to the fantasy world. Yeah, and well, I mean, the Chiefs, at least on the field, if you're talking real football, seem to have uh, seem to have turned things around. Uh, the NFL announcing today that the Denver Kansas City game will go to Sunday Night Football in Weeks 13. And that will replace the San Francisco at Seattle game. Um, and one more waiver wire pickup I want to talk about at the uh, at the uh, the Chiefs bye week with no Pat Mahomes. Taylor Heineke against Seattle. Man, Seattle's a mess right now. Monday Night Football. Heineke coming off a really good game against the Panthers. Um, he's available on the waiver wire right now. Actually, my opponent a couple weeks ago went ahead and picked him up in my his game against me. Um, so that is so someone something I wanted to touch on. Another one from that game, if you've been using the Chiefs defense and, you know, uh, really playing off of the sacks that you get from Chris Jones and those boys, uh, Washington defense might be one to look at just because of how inept the Seahawks seem to be. Russell Wilson doesn't look right. Um, I'm not sure that he's fully healed. Uh, so He's not. Uh, There's no way. There is no way Russell Wilson is 100%. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, so Washington defense, I, I like their defensive line, even with the loss of Chase Young. I, I, I do like the boomer bust potential there. If you're streaming defenses, that's kind of what you're looking for. Pretty good matchup. You know, it, it could really blow up in your face if that's the week that the Seahawks decide to show up, but, um, it just doesn't look like it. Yeah. And, uh, James, keep an eye on James Smith Williams. He's stepped up a lot for, uh, for Washington this year, NC state graduate, um, He's filled in this year for both Montez Sweat and Chase Young, and now he's going to be playing full-time uh, because of Chase Young's injury. He's a guy to DeAndre, watch on the Washington defensive line. I really like him. DeAndre Carter on the on the, the football team as well. Three touchdowns uh, in, in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, but before we went to college, we're about to get to, the, about, about to, get to the, uh, the, the coaching carousel here in a minute. But th- there was something about when, when Taylor Heineke throws touchdowns to DeAndre Carter, that's – you know, that's a that's a quarterback from Old Dominion, a journeyman quarterback, throwing a touchdown pass to an undrafted 
free agent who's played for four or five different teams before he's stuck in Washington from Sacramento State. That's just awesome, man. Those two, like, th- when those two make a connection on the field, that's like, that just screams NFL to me. I mean, that's the Washington football team as I've known it since I've been alive. So, you know, nothing nothing new over there to me. Yeah, but I, I just I just really like seeing guys from small schools who fought to make the roster see the fruits of their labor pay off um, on, on any team, really. I like Heineke, man. He's got like this little bit of an Aaron Rodgers swagger to him, and I just <laughs> kind of dig it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it, man. Uh, but good, good, really lots of good fantasy talk. Our, hopefully our teams do better uh, this week than they did the last week. Um, I'm still trying to stay out of the cellar. You, like you said, you've kind of, kind of packed in moving to your second, uh, moving to your second, uh, fan, your second league. Um, but other guys who will be packing it up, packing it in. Uh, we touched on it last week. Ed Orgeron, he's at LSU uh, at the end of the year. Uh, Virginia Tech has already gotten rid of Justin Fuente. And since we last talked, Dan Mullen is no longer going to be the coach at Florida. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so wild. I was thinking about it today. and it, t- Two weeks is such a long time in, in football. Three weeks especially. But try, try, try to go back into the way back machine with me here, Luke. And think back three weeks ago. And USC fires Clay Helton. And the talk is, is it going to be James Franklin? Is it going to be maybe Dan Mullen? And we're sitting here three weeks later. And th- this just came out today. James Franklin signs the 10-year extension with Penn State. He's off the board. And Dan Mullen gets fired from Florida. Who do, who do they go with? I mean, they're... they're, they're their, their top list of their candidates are, are gone. They were the first team really to fire their coach and commit to the coaching search. And that they've done, they've done nothing with the lead. And, and now yeah. these, these big openings are there. LSU, Florida, you just named a whole bunch of them. And USC has to compete with SEC openings? I don't know, man. Yeah, it's really, really weird. Like, You there? Yeah, so, sorry. You, you just, I didn't know if you were going to keep talking. Uh, you kind of like oh. faded there for a second. I didn't know if you had more to say. Um, but yeah, like Flor- Florida in a normal year, that would be the job. Or USC in a normal year, LSU in a normal year, that would be the job that everyone's kind of throwing their hat in the ring for. The competition's going to be a lot stiffer this year. And I'm interested to see kind of the coaching archetypes that each program goes with. I don't know who the choices are going to be but it seems like there's always these like kind of stock characters in in coaching searches you know stock type coaches that are like you know the up-and-coming mid-major coach jeff i'm going from western kentucky to purdue is a great example um or maybe you know the grizzled veteran who's trying to prove something at a smaller school like butch davis at fiu boy that was a disaster or you know the coach who's well established taking on a new challenge like Bronco Mendenhall coming to Virginia five years ago and look at where he has the Cavaliers now after eleven years at BYU. So these are all little kind of routes that that different schools go. Where do I think Florida's going to go? I think Florida, like LSU, I talked about last week, they're going to shoot for a big name. I really think they're going to try and you know throw the money cannon out there for somebody. I don't know who. I, I, I can't. I can't think of. I can't put a name. Anything I say would be just pure speculation, but they're going to go for a big name. You know, we're not going to get a Jim McElwain here uh, in, in Gainesville. See, I, 
<clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna contend with you a little bit there because I think things in that administration have gotten so bad over the last couple of hires that it's really hard not to look. And and, and it, you, you you found this with Tennessee. Tennessee went. You know, Lane Kiffin was a good hire, but then he left. Then we went Derek Dooley, Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt, and had to had to clean house. You know, you can keep saying it's the coach, keep saying it's the coach, but when the same administration has hired three bad coaches in a row, all right, let's get rid of the administration and now try it. Florida hasn't done that. You know, that athletic director, yes, but the rest of the the athletic department is still there. And I think coaches are seeing that. And that's the reason that right now, just from what I've been hearing, Billy Napier from Louisiana is the hot name for Florida. And th think about where they were a couple years ago with Urban Meyer and everything they had available to them after that. That they, they just they have not been able to get a coach that is able to make up for the deficiencies they have in the athletic department. There is no stability. There's no rules. It, McElwain, Muschamp, this guy, they've all ended the same with just like this circus around them. And it's because the administration has been terrible. So I don't think they're going to get a big name. I think they're going to try. I think they're going to go try to get Mark Stoops. I think they maybe try to go get Bob Stoops. I, I think they're going to talk to Lane Kiffin. They might stare into the Cristo ball and try to go get Mario Cristo ball. <laughs> um, but Billy Napier is who's going to be there, it, 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 I think. I think Billy Napier is the guy who winds up there. Yeah, it, it would be an interesting move for him. He goes from a state where you eat alligator to a school where they are the Gators, if, if that were to come to pass. I really, I'm looking at the Florida donors here. I'm thinking, you know, this is a giant university with unlimited resources, and the big-time alumni have unlimited resources. I'm looking at the blank check here. I just feel like there's a Florida booster or a group of Florida boosters that are like, here, Go get someone that's going to take us to the college football playoff, and then yeah, uh, that, that's just that's just that's what I see happening. On paper, that works, but when you've given your money to an administration that's now spending the majority of it on buyouts, you're not donating as much anymore, and you you want change, you want further change. You don't just want head coaching change. Look at how fast this unraveled. Initially, they just fired the defensive coordinator and offensive line coach, thinking that was going to be fine. And then he loses one more game, and he's gone. That, think about just the instability within that set of statements, where you let him fire his coordinators, and then one loss later, you're firing him. There's no clear message on what the issues really were there. And that's that that's the picture that the Florida Athletic Department gives off. Um, so I think boosters are going to be very, very leery to continue to donate massive amounts of money only to have them spent on circuses towards the end of every season and buyouts. Yeah, that is a good point with Mullen buyout. You know, Ed Orgeron is, you know, LSU is going to be in the same position. Uh, there's already a couple schools that have kickstarted the process of that. Um, USC, you know, Clay, firing Clay Helton a while ago. Um, but a lot, you know, schools don't have problems paying those, it seems. Uh, it, 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 that never seems like an impediment to, to getting rid of a coach. I'm not really sure how much of an, an impediment it is to hiring a new coach. Uh, but going back to those archetypes I, I mentioned at, at, up at the top, Billy Napier, he's, he fits that mold of like an, a, a up-and-coming coach at an up-and-coming program that is probably going to get a shot at a power conference program. 
Yep. Can you think of anybody like in the other groups? Like, 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 so who's, who's a grizzled veteran coach that, that might, we could see at, at a, at maybe a bigger school or not even a bigger school, just at, in a different place next year. Can you think of anyone? Uh, grizzled veteran. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on how grizzled you're talking about. Or, or, or like maybe somebody who is taking a year off works in broadcasting or, you know, is, is a coordinator somewhere and maybe they, you know, maybe they got a raw deal and wants to want to go try head coaching again. So, yeah. A couple Something of the like older guys that I think maybe get a shot. Uh, Bill O'Brien is one that's had his name thrown around with the LSU and USC and probably now the Florida jobs. Um, and then you've got Dave Aranda from Baylor. He's not exactly what I'd call old, but um, he's experienced. He's not He's not coming from a mid-major, so I think he probably fits this archetype a little bit better. Um, but no, there's not really a lot of old guys. I mean, Mark Stoops is probably one of the older guys out there. If you're looking at Grizzled Veteran, that's where I would look. That guy has done it and proved, proven he can build a program at Kentucky. Really hard to take them over the top. Um, additionally, like Brent Venables from Clemson, he his name's been brought up with a lot of head coaching uh, openings over the last decade or so. And he's never been tempted, but kind of with the way the season went, um, you might actually be able to pry him out of there. Um, I'd be really, really interested to see if Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze get any looks for Power 5 jobs. Um, Hugh Freeze just got a got a, uh, a nice raise from Liberty today. Okay, okay. That's, that'll, that's that'll, that'll, make it, yeah, that'll make it more difficult for people to get him. Yeah, I mean, uh, where, where Lane Kiffin was before, signed him to like a 10-year or lifetime contract, and about a year later, he was gone out of that. So <laughs> True, uh, yeah. We, we, we know what that means to those guys if they ever get, you know, real actual coaching opportunities. Like, if if he, if you Freeze had a shot at the LSU job, he would renege on that contract immediately, I promise yeah, you. Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. So, I mean, not, there's no connection there, just given, the, uh, just given that out there, but I a couple of young guys I'd like to talk about real quick. Just just throw out there for I think there'll be a head coach somewhere else next year. First one, Jamie Chadwell. I think he's going to be the Virginia Tech head coach. Um, Will Healy, the head coach at UNC. Charlotte, I love has Will a, Healy. I'm a big I, Will Healy fan. I I really don't know where he lands. It, he's kind of a funny one to to fill out just because I don't think he's quite ready necessarily for a a big power five job yet. Um, but if Lane Kiffin moves on from Ole Miss, Will Healy might be someone I call if I'm at Ole Miss. Um, I really, really like what he does. He has taken a team that had no football program six years ago. Um, he's already 500 with those guys since he's been there. Uh, he's done a really, really good job. Uh, it, kind of similar to Jamie Chadwell of building a program that didn't have a foundation before. Um, so I think he's the next guy. It might be just a little too soon for him, but he's a guy that I'm. He he he's someone I'm going to watch and keep up with as the coaching carousels move on, going down the road. Um, I think he's going to pull a big time job soon. As do I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something crazy out here. So I've got a couple sources up in Virginia that are saying. I don't know how interested Dave Clawson is in the Virginia Tech job, but Virginia Tech is interested in Dave Clawson. If Clawson. Dave Clawson takes that job, leaves Winston-Salem to go to Virginia Tech, which, again, this is not me with any information. This is just me throwing shit around on this podcast. If he does that, 
Look for Wake Forest to go after Will Healy. Yes, not that a, would not be a, a, not a far not a far trip, no. not, not a far move for him if he were to do it. Uh, not not hard for Wake to go find him. They wouldn't have to get on a plane and fly across the country and have you know flight aware tracking them and whatnot. Uh, but but Wake Forest is kind of that pro one of those programs that dear notwithstanding, they're never really among the nation's elite. They're kind of a not a stepping stone, but they're a they're a a program that you wouldn't be under such intense pressure immediately like you would at Virginia Tech or at Florida or at LSU or USC. Uh, look at Dave Clawson right now. He came from Bowling Green. Before then, he was at Richmond. He fit that that kind of mold of coaches at smaller schools that worked their way up. And, and I, you know, if 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 Dave Clawson is on the move, it might not be to Virginia Tech. It might be somewhere else. Although they seem to really like him here, and he seems to really like it as well. Will Healy could be a name uh, that Wake Forest looks at. Yeah, and. Uh... I think I think the Clawfence should make a move if he can get one because uh, you lose Sam Hartman next year, who's really been the lifeblood of the team, and uh, I think the the ACC was kind of down this year, so you know they just kind of them in Pittsburgh are kind of just having to be peaking at the right time. I think they're I think they're really good teams, but I think in a normal ACC year they're probably in like maybe the third best on each side. Um, so I, if, if he can get a job, I think it's just time to jump. I don't think you should wait around and try to build and wait for something else. If there's a bigger job that goes out, I think you jump. If not, I think you have to be really comfortable being at Wake. There is, it, it, it's it's kind of like the Duke job. You know, really no matter how bad David Cutcliffe is. He's going to have the coaching job there. They like him. He's a great person. And that's kind of the same thing with Dave Clawson. He can be the coach at Wake Forest for the rest of his life if he wanted to, most likely. Yeah. And that's the, like, I'm, t- I'm I, as somebody who lives in Winston Salem, I can tell you that like they love this dude here. This yes. dude is like, this dude is royalty. Like, he probably doesn't even have to pay for a meal here in this entire city because of where he's taken this Demon Deacon program. And, and I, you know, I'm an NC State grad. Um, I have no connection to Wake Forest or Winston-Salem other than the fact that I've lived here over the last two years. And I really like it when Wake is good at things because people here care about sports. It's more fun. People go to the games. I mean, I was at the game against NC State a couple weeks ago. That was an awesome atmosphere. Just things are more fun here in Winston when Wake is good at sports. And I hope their basketball team bounces back too. Yeah, and and usually it only takes one program on campus to kind of give everybody else a jolt. Um, it's kind of happened on the Tennessee campus with Rick Barnes and the football team. I mean, the basketball team, um, kind of gave everybody else a jolt. And then the off season, the baseball team really gave everybody else a jolt and, you know, football team's done what it's done. So one program can, uh, one, you know, one sports program can turn around the, you know, the, the, the morale, the, uh, the commitment to the athletics department the, and, the- the willingness of the boosters to write checks too. It, yes, exactly. It gives it gives the money faith. It tells them we're doing the right thing, and you know if we invest, we shall reap additional rewards, and that's good for everybody. Um, it, it would be great to have the Wake basketball team good again. Like you said, you're a state grad. I'm, I, I guess, a state basketball fan. I'm not a fan of the direction they're trying to head, but I root for the pack. Um, Wake Forest is obviously a rival of ours when we play, but. It's always, always better when you have the big four in North Carolina good. When you've got Wake, 
UNC Duke and NC State all good. There there really is not a a better scene in basketball than four amazing North Carolina basketball teams. Definitely not. My I opinion. Wish they, wish My opinion. Yeah, it's. I remember back, you know, back in. I don't remember because I wasn't alive, but I remember reading about back in the fifties how they had the like the Dixie Classic or something where they would all they would all play. Uh, but way back with the fledgling days of the ACC, uh, it, it, you're, it is man. Tobacco Road is 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 great uh, when all these teams are good and uh, it, things you know things are things are going to be different with Coach K and, and Roy Williams. Uh, not not here anymore. Uh, Coach K, of course, in his farewell, Roy has already rode off into the sunset, leaving the program to Hubert Davis. But I don't want to get too far off track here. All right, Luke. So before we end our coaching carousel segment, I have one question I want to pose to you and and to our audience to to noodle on. Do you think so? The way the Seahawks are going, it looks like Pete Carroll might not be back next year. So. Do you think Pete Carroll and or John Gruden coach in the college ranks next season? This is I this is a name I should have come up with like five minutes ago when I mentioned it to you. Yes, I think Pete Carroll is absolutely going to be a candidate for a college coaching job. Will it be a big college coaching job? I don't think so. But it could totally be, you know, like an FIU, uh, but, you know, a, a University of Texas at El Paso type thing, you know, like. So what, what we, we kicked off the coaching carousel talking about how USC got this lead on everybody and it seemed to have let that lead evaporate, so to speak, uh, in this research. It, it, if they're just waiting at this point, why not wait until Pete Carroll comes open and see what the old ball coach, not, you know, not to take the, 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 the name from, from Steve Spurrier, but their old ball coach, see, see if he has any interest in coming back. I mean, I know that there were sanctions and you know things of that nature from the last time he was on campus, but well, the rules are a lot different now. Yeah, rules are a lot different. That was you know shit twenty years ago. Um, that the guy has won uh, Super Bowls since then, and you got to think that that would have a major, major positive impact on keeping that California talent in California instead of traveling all the way to the East Coast to play at Clemson to play in the SEC. Pete Carroll's a familiar face to a lot of people. What do you think, you know, USC going after Pete Carroll, maybe? I haven't seen this anywhere. This is just kind of off the dome. I was thinking about it today, and it kind of well, clicked. It's not crazy for coaches to go back to places where they used to coach. Look at Mac Brown. Bill Snyder yep. did the same thing at Kansas State. I mean, it's, yep. it's not the craziest thing, and I think it would get USC fans excited. It certainly would. They could kind of relive those days of, uh, you know, Reggie Bush and Lendale White and all those guys back then, Matt Leinart, Mark Sanchez, guys who won all those championships, and kind of reminds me of when uh, when the Redskins hired Joe Gibbs for the second go around. It was kind of the uh-huh. one to reach back and recapture that magic. But yeah, I think Pete Carroll is absolutely in play for a college job. I do not think John Gruden is. I just I don't see yeah. him. I don't see him having the desire, you know, to 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 go coaching college. You know, he seems like the kind of guy who's more suited to coaching grown men making millions of dollars playing professional football he doesn't seem like he wants to bother with the recruiting the academics the parents all that stuff you know he he doesn't want seem like he wants the bs he seems like a football guy and you have to do so much more than football at your average college football job and i I don't think he's up for that i agree with that and that alone is enough but i think the stink he has on him right now is also going to keep away anybody who maybe would get desperate enough to throw 10 million dollars at him to see if he would take it um, I think any 
any of the big spots are not going to want to have that on their coach already coming in. Um, so I, I, I think for primarily the reasons you mentioned, but also just that societal haze that he kind of has around him after what happened, uh, you know, getting dismissed from Las Vegas, um, he probably won't be around. But, you know, that stuff goes away. After, you know, people forget about that. It, it, it kind of disappears in the background after a couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back into a somewhat major coaching eye or doing some kind of show like he was doing before. I would still love to see Gruden QB camp. Um, maybe I'm in the minority there, but those were always really fun for me to watch. Um, so we'll, we'll see what's next for John. Yeah, we definitely will. I, I kind of have a feeling we haven't seen the last of him, but it won't be in the college ranks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, but I, boy, I, was, I liked. Uh, I, I, I really, man, I really like that you brought up Pete Carroll. Just real quick before we before we segue, that was because that, that's exactly the type of person. He's the exact guy I was thinking of when I posed that question to you earlier. I was like, I, I started to mention it, but I'm like, is that just a, like a little too much of a reach for this immediate area? Because because <laughs> no, he, he's not he's not, not even fired yet. Like that that's still just. They're still assuming that's going to happen. Who knows if the Seahawks go on a run, make it to the playoffs, like everybody's just happy again. Yeah, maybe maybe they will, but I hope it doesn't start on Monday because that's when they play my <laughs> Washington football team. As we yeah, move sure. on here in the right hash, our eighth episode brought to you by Slim Sweets and Speedy Customs. And, well, we are a show of the people. We like our feedback. We like to hear what you guys think, and we really like to hear what you guys want us to talk about and we're fortunate enough to get some of our uh, kind of some of our mailbag uh, requests this week. We're only going to have time for one of them today. We will get to everything that we have been asked so far. But for this episode, we're going to go to the first person who uh, who called us, and or not called us, but you know tweeted at us at the right hash. Give us a follow, tweet at us, talk about what you want us to to talk about. And our first uh, first. Uh, not really, not, I guess, inquirer, I'll, I'll use him, who is putting us in the grinder is Connor Lilly, who is a friend of mine from way back. He's actually my, my little brother's age, but uh, he, he and I have known each other for a long time. He's a follower of the Right Hash on Twitter. He's been a follower of mine on Twitter for, for a long time. At Lilly Connor, L-I-L-L-E-Y, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R is his handle. He's a big Detroit sports fan. Big Tigers fan, big Lions fan, uh, big Pistons and Wings fan too. Um, and Connor is big into sports, play college baseball. And Connor is putting us in the grinder today. And he wants us to talk about our favorite sports fights. And this is a really awesome one to kick it off, if I do say so myself. Yeah, this this one got like it. It, it was so out of left field. It's such a good question, and you, I've I've really never seen anybody talk about it. Um, so great, great using your brain there, Connor. Uh, I, I really have been racking my brain about this. Uh, Luke and I talked about this a little bit off air. We're not going to include hockey. Um, I'm only including fights that I've seen myself, not, not ones that I've seen, you know, highlights of, but ones that I've actually watched. There is one on here that was a highlight, but everything else are ones that I've seen live. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm in the same boat with the one that that was a highlight as well. Actually, I didn't see the main one I'm going to talk about, but like I, it, I'm not. I don't think I'm using those same criteria. I'm just using ones I remember the most. Um, but 
Connor, dedicated listener to the show. He's been here since the beginning. We appreciate uh, the listenership and we appreciate you interacting with us on Twitter. Uh, so I'm going to start uh, on the baseball field. Uh, this was, I think, 2003, uh, the ALCS Yankees Red Sox and Pedro Martinez grabbing Don Zimmer by the ball dome and just chucking him to the Fenway Park turf. Just uh, absolutely iconic 10 seconds where he's running out, gets grabbed by his ball dome and just le- le- like uh, like the guys in Spain with the matadors. Matadors, that's the word I'm looking for, like <laughs> a matador. And just kind of, you know, uh, but moved out of the way, let him fall. Uh, one of the best bench clearings you'll ever see. And on the stage that it was in, made it even more just... I would, I don't want to say awesome, but it was just like a car crash. You can't look away. And let me ask you this: is it is a fight better if it's between rival teams? Oh, always. Okay. Always. I thought so, and that's that's a big reason why this one is on there because it wasn't like it wasn't a huge huge fight, but like just that that ten second memory of Pedro just helicoptering Don Zimmer. And that that you know, you said this off air. It was, it was on Sports Center. Uh, reels for years and it's everyone knows about it and it was that that was I think one of the most iconic moments of the Yankees Red Sox rivalry from our you know formative years watching sports and that those early 2000s Yankees Red Sox matchups that that they were absolute must-see TV it felt like every single regular season series was also just bonkers you had to watch those games yeah here's another one that I'm gonna put it put in there and that's Going from baseball to football, Miami in 2006 against Florida International. These two schools separated by, geez, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, if that. Maybe a little bit more in Miami traffic. But uh, the thing I remember most is the, uh, there was a, 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 the flag graphic that came on the television score bug. The announcer was like, you see the word flag, but that's an understatement as the players were just kind of going at it. Kind of rugby scrumming on the field. And then the other thing I remember is Anthony Reddick from Miami taking off his helmet and using it like a war club on FIU players. Do you remember that? I think that that might be the lasting image of him just holding that helmet up like like he looks like Chief Osceola about to plant the spear. <laughs> uh it's it's funny because that's not the that's not the last time that particular action's gonna feature on this segment today. <laughs> um but yeah, uh that that's one that I went back and had to watch it because I don't remember seeing it live. I actually didn't remember it whatsoever. Um, but I went back and watched it. I remember seeing the highlights of that, but I definitely not one that I saw live. Yeah, I mean, that that was, I remember that one. I, I watched that one on YouTube a lot. Um, and uh, the uh, one of the announcers, Lamar Thomas, a former Miami player, he was actually egging the fight on, on <laughs> television during during the fight. He was like, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You don't come into the Orange Bowl and you know, try to mess with the hurricanes. You get your behind kit, and that was the last time Lamar Thomas did color commentary on television. <laughs> but what a way I've to go, man! Up, I've put up two. Uh, the way Connor worded it was top five. We couldn't really think to rank them, so we're just kind of we're just kind of throwing ones out there that we remember. Uh, what, what's what's one of your favorites? All right, so one one of my favorites. Um, it's funny. I'm looking at this list now, and I've just realized that. Three of these are wide receiver versus defensive backs. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite one that I've seen live was the Andre Johnson versus Cortland Finnegan fight. Um, 
And it was just one of those where it just kind of came out of nowhere. Andre Johnson was just not a guy that did stuff like this. Kind of same with Cortland Finnegan. For a corner, he, he's really not that chippy. You know, he's just kind of go about his business. But a random day, these guys are just, uh, I don't know, someone pissed in their cornflakes. And the next thing you know, there's helmets flying. These guys are throwing punches left and right. Middle of a, of, of a pretty big uh, division clash between the Colts and the Texans. Um, just one of the, the Titan, most... Titans and Titans Texans, right? Uh what did I said Colts? Yeah, yeah, I, was, I was a Colts yeah. fan at that time. Yeah, yeah, ah, Titans, yeah. Texans. Um, but just just one of the most interesting scenes that I witnessed. One of the first NFL fights I can remember. So it, it just stayed with me a little bit longer. Um, but liked Andre Johnson a lot growing up. So uh, that one was always one that was in my head. And then, man, well, just one of the most interesting games beginning to end. So that. I stretched it here a little bit. This wasn't a, you know, like a 30-second fight or anything, but Odell Beckham Jr. versus Josh Norman. Oh, that was great. OBJ was in the Giants. Josh Norman was like his prime year against the Panthers. And this fight just went a full four quarters. They never threw either guy out. Literally, maybe the chippiest game I've ever seen from receiver-defensive-back combination. And it was allowed to go the distance. Um, the, the entire... Uh, set of clips is on YouTube. It's a 12-minute full video of everything Odell Beckham and Josh Norman did during that game. Um, just peak OBJ, peak Josh Norman, peak Panthers, peak pettiness. And it was just, <laughs> it, it was, it was so, it was so great. You have to go watch it for yourself. Go give yourself the time to do it. But Odell Beckham versus Josh Norman. I was in JD's Tavern with. Almost exclusively Panthers and Giants fans in attendance at the bar, and it was tense in there as well. Like you, it it got uncomfortable, and I loved it. Yeah, that that I I think I remember seeing some of that game live. I don't I don't remember who won or anything, but yeah, that was the uh, iconic uh, iconic images from that. you know, really videos and whatnot clips. Uh, but then Norman joined Washington later on. And then th- those two had some more, some more adventures together as well. Um, were, did you also have, did you also have the Michael Crabtree, Akib Talib one where he, uh, Talib grabbed Crabtree's necklace or was it the other way around? Uh, to leave grabbed Crabtree's train. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't put that one on here, but I did see it. Um, t- you could have picked a handful of things from Akib Talib that year. <laughs> yeah. But the the, the Crabtree uh, chain grab was one of the more iconic moments for him. Yeah. Um, another one in football that I like going back to college and going back a few years, 2004, uh, South Carolina at Clemson. Uh, this game is the reason, this brawl is the reason that the SEC has a fine for storming the field now. Fun fact. Um, but South Carolina and Clemson going at it. This was Lou Holtz era South Carolina. This was... Uh, Tommy Bowden era Clemson. Uh-huh. Both these teams were good at the time. And, you know, they, they obviously have never stopped hating each other. Um, and funny enough, Connor Lilly, of all people, showed me a video one time of that fight with Jailhouse Rock playing in the background. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, it, was, it was one of the best videos I ever saw That's hilarious. in the early days of YouTube. Uh, but going back to the rivalry thing earlier, that one gets major points because it's a rivalry fight. And it was like a full field brawl. Um, 
before I reveal my favorite one, do you have any others you'd like to give mention to? Yeah, um, I've got I've got two more as well. So we actually didn't have any of the same ones except for probably this last one. Um, I sh- shout out to uh, our friend Miles Speed. Uh, this one involved the Steelers. Um, it also invi- involved another Miles, but this is Miles Garrett uh, versus Mason Rudolph. You know, Browns versus Steelers. Uh, maybe it's not a traditional fight, you know, but this was you know between two rival teams had everything you could want. You know, just the big uglies are mashing each other everywhere. There's supposed racial slurs getting thrown. A guy getting bashed over the skull with a helmet. I mean, th- there's just nothing more you can ask for. Everything is happening that you could possibly wish for right there on your screen. Um, I, j- I'll, I'll never forget the sequence. I will never forget the sequence. And then my other one, it, it, it may seem a little bit small to a lot of folks, Um but this is another QB, I mean, uh, DB wide receiver matchup. This this is the one that I said I didn't see live, but I've seen it just on Sports Center, on you know, sports shows when I was younger all the time. And it was Deion Sanders versus Andre Risen. Um, nothing flashy there, just defensive back, wide receiver, you know, really one of the premier wide receiver defensive matchups uh, of that time. Um, throwing punches right after a route started. Um, Deion. Really, really, really brilliant idea of punching the guy that has a helmet on. Uh, Andre Risen decided to go for the shoulder pads and air. But just the, the matchup, the, the, the gravity of the two folks who were fighting, um, it was just kind of a classy fight. Like, there was no cheap shots. They kind of locked eyes, almost like, like hockey, kind of give each other a feel-out real quick. No one's taking, you know, quick, cheap shots. And just when it was done, it was done. There was no carryover either. Um, so, and that's the part, that's the best part in my opinion. Cause it's almost like a game within a game. It's like, okay, you got me in this fight, man. Like, yes. okay, got me. like, let's go back yeah. to playing sports. Yeah. Go, go, go back, go back and win it back. Don't, <laughs> don't pout, don't pout and, and look like a poor sport. Like it's part of it. We understand fights happen, but be like hockey. Go, go your separate ways, cool off and then come back. Just play football, play w- baseball, whatever you're doing. Don't let it linger. Yeah, my my so my, the one I was saving for last. Also, a bit of a hat tip to our friend Connor, who is a big Detroit Pistons fan. Of Indeed. course, malice in the palace. Of how course. can you how can you not have this one on the list? I mean, I, I they made a recently made a, a, a Netflix movie or a thirty for thirty about it from the Pacers' perspective, um, which was kind of cool. I don't think it had enough of, from both sides to be a really like awesome awesome movie, but it, it was cool seeing the Pacers' perspective. Um, Ron Artest getting drinks thrown at him while lying on the scorer's table. Um, you know, Ben Wallace and Jermaine O'Neal going at it, man. Just that. Yeah, that that one. That one has stuck with me forever. Yeah. Uh, so, so such bad PR that the guy who we all know for it had to change his last name to kind of ditch the stench that was on the Artest name. I know there were other reasons, but let's be real. Um, just uh, uh, um, amazing. There, there's nothing. I, it's it's a, a long clip. It involves the fans. Like there's a guy up there just watching. Like nothing's happening. Next thing you know, we're on our test. Is connecting with his jaw. It's just it. It's beautiful. It's poetry in motion. If you haven't seen, if you somehow haven't seen it, go look up Malice in the Palace and educate yourself, please. Man, 
it's it's something else. And that building, of course, no longer standing now that the Pacers, excuse me, now that the Pistons play in the uh, the Little Caesars Arena, which is one of the uh-huh. nicest buildings in the NBA and the NHL because the Red Wings play there too. But thank you, Connor. Uh, we really appreciate yes. the the inquiry. Um, anyone else? Follow us at the right hash. We all, we do have a couple of a uh, couple of outstanding questions that we're going to get to in the next show or two, um, and we also appreciate the folks who have thrown us those questions. Um, but the grinder, our first time. Thank you again, Connor. That was that was great. That was a success. Thank you for putting us in the grinder, sir. And I feel great. Remember, you mess with Kurt, you go in the grinder. Or Connor. Or Connor. <laughs> Mess with give, give him a follow too if you like a self-deprecating yeah. Detroit sports humor. He's he's got he's got a, he's a real good sport about about how bad his teams are, which I can relate to. Um, Is there any other player. kind of Detroit humor? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. I, think so. I, I mean, I, I guess when Billups was there, that was probably Billups and and Rip and the boys. That was probably yeah. pretty fun. But <laughs> since then, I mean. You had Andre yeah. Drummond for a while. It's, he got it, it's been about it's been about as fun for the Pistons as it has for Michigan against Ohio State in recent years. Let's put it this way. <laughs> yeah, or Tennessee against anybody with a number next to their name. <laughs> well, I mean, you 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 listen to yeah you, you listen to this whole show up until now, and you're probably thinking, where are the Indies of the week? Where are the picks? Well, we're saving those for last because we're doing it a little bit differently this week. We normally pick two college games, two NFL games, and a surprise indie. I think I don't have a surprise indie because we have so many games that we're going to pick college football or college game day style. So I'm literally just going. We 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 had a predetermined list of games. We're gonna gonna go through college games. We're also gonna pick some uh, NFL games, including all of the Thanksgiving games. But but Alex, this is the best college weekend of the year. I know it's kind of sucks because it's the last regular season weekend, but all the rivalry games. Um, it's the most interesting storyline matchups. I don't know if this is the best weekend we've had. Um, opening weekend was really, really good. Uh, but you know, th- there's there's a lot going on. There are a lot of really, really good games that we're picking. I do have a surprise indie this week, so feel free to to pick that one with me as well at the end if you want to. Um, but it's uh. Yeah, I, I could I couldn't not have it. We have we, we have a good friend of the show that would appreciate it. So uh, I'm gonna make that I'll, maybe I'll think of one here in the next ten minutes or so. But I didn't come in with one because right. there were so many games to pick. But without further ado, let's let's get these on the road because we've got a heck of a lot to pick. And let's just start with Ohio State and Michigan because I brought it up, and it's going to be the most watched game of the weekend and probably the season. Yeah. Um... Man, I, w- I wish the Ohio State game had been close last week. I might have some hopes that this one will be close, but um, just the way C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave, I mean, just y- you could list on and on and on the Ho- Ohio State players who are peaking right now in this part of their season, and that matters so much more than really anything else out there. So, Ohio State. Yeah, I'm, I'm not picking against the Buckeyes after what I saw last week. No, plain and simple. No. I don't. I don't. I don't really have much else for you there. Uh, I, I, think Michigan, I think Michigan hangs in there. I think it's going to be thirty-five to twenty-four or something like that. But Ohio State's winning this ball game. I think Michigan's offense can keep up better than Michigan State's. It's designed a little bit differently to do so. But um, uh, hopefully, Michigan's defense plays better than Michigan State's. It doesn't matter how many points they score if they give up sixty. So, in agreement on that one, 
which will I'm I'm gonna go and I'm also gonna predict that that's the highest rated game of the year in terms of television viewing, uh, as, as it it often is. Yeah, to to that point, I would say you're probably probably right on the money. Georgia Clemson was probably really high from the beginning, though. Yeah, definitely. Going down the list here, Egg Bowl, Mississippi, Mississippi State, or the Piss Bowl from a couple years ago, the Dog Pee Bowl. Man, the domino effect that that piss had is wild. <laughs> it's really wild to think about. Um, but uh, give me the fighting Lane Kiffins. Probably his last regular season game there. Uh, just that's what my gut tells me. Um, I I just think they're a better team as well. Somehow Mississippi State won fifty five to seven last week and fell out of the CFP top twenty five. But that's an that's an argument for another day. Go with the Bulldogs here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to okay. take the other side. I like Mike Leach a lot. I like that offense. Uh, I, I like the defense after seeing what they did to NC State back at the beginning of the season. I'm going to go with the, the Bulldogs. They're playing well right now, too. All right. So there's our first dissension, and we'll stay in the SEC. Well, kind of. One team from the SEC, Florida, playing their rival from the ACC, Florida State. And I, isn't this game for bowl eligibility? It is. One of them is going bowling, and one of them is not. <laughs> well, this is a great game for, for that to be the case because both these programs are so proud, and one of them will be going to a bottom-of-the-barrel bowl game should they accept the invitation, and the other will not be eligible. Man, this is tough. This is tough because both these teams have been so off this season. I'm going to go with Florida State because they have less off-the-field drama going on right now. Give me the Knowles. Fuck Florida. All right, there. That was pretty straightforward. You you basically feel about Florida the way I feel about the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. No. No. No questions here. <laughs> so Florida State for both of us on that one. Penn State, Michigan State. The land grant trophy is on the line. Michigan State. They got embarrassed on national TV last week. Penn State has had a bit of a rough second half of the season. Where is this game? I, I it's escaping me right now. Which stadium is this in? Yeah, good question. Um, I I haven't I, I haven't looked, but it doesn't it doesn't hasn't made an effect on my uh, pick whatsoever. Um, so if you want to take a look at that, it, it's at Michigan. It's at Michigan. It is at Michigan State. It, either way, it's, it, this yeah. this could have been on the Sun. I'm taking Penn State. Um, just signed James Franklin to a ten year deal. Unless Michigan State had two competent corners transfer in in the off week in the last four days. I don't see how they beat anyone who knows how big of an issue that is now. Penn State should defense should be able to do enough to keep Kenneth Walker from winning this one by himself. Give me the Nittany Lions. And give me the Spartans, just because Kenneth Walker, I think he reprises a big performance. Maybe not quite as big as he did against the Wolverines, but I, it, it's hard for me to think that um, that – Michigan State is going to come out flat two weeks in a row. I think they get back to business here. Yep, they very well could. Um, yeah, so on, on their own field, too. Not, not only are our picks against each other, but I'm also picking the Penn State defense versus your Kenneth Walker. So yeah. almost like a game within the game. The Iron Bowl. Is there any question about this one? Uh, I don't think it's going to be the cakewalk that I thought it would be at the beginning of the season. Uh, I think Alabama has some cracks in the armor. We've seen similar Auburn teams really give Alabama teams trouble in the past. I don't think Bama's defense is that great. This one's in Jordanaire Stadium. Uh, keep it under watch, but I've got the tide. 
Yeah, I've got the tide too. I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Not going to be a walk in the park, but Alabama, who has had some weird games at Auburn over the years, over the past decade. I mean, the last time they went to Jordan Air Stadium, you saw Saban going crazy over the time on the clock, and crazy stuff happens in the Iron Bowl when it's played in Auburn, but I don't think that's happening this year. We didn't talk about it in the coaching carousel, but uh, Brian Harson might not be at Auburn after this year. He might yeah. he, he, he might dip for that Washington job, um, especially yeah. after losing to South I Carolina. Go back. I want to go back west. Yeah, go so, west. Uh, you know, just something else there. If, if, there. if that has legs, maybe Auburn comes out just flatty, flat, flat, and gets steamrolled, maybe. But um, really interesting game. The Iron Bowl almost never disappoints. Nope, and what sometimes does disappoint or has disappointed uh, 16 of the last 17 years is Virginia against Virginia Tech. Yes, the Hokies have won 16 of the last 17. Virginia ended the horrible streak at Scott Stadium in 2019. Virginia, heavy favorite here. Uh, Tech has already jettisoned their head coach. UVA's offense is really, 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 really good. Um, This game is at Scott Stadium. There are always a lot of Tech fans that show up. Probably won't be quite as many this year. Uh, but Virginia's had trouble putting butts in seats this year. They have not had much of a home field advantage. Uh, they're going to have trouble with Virginia Tech. This is a rivalry game where weird shit happens, kind of like the Iron Bowl, uh, but Virginia's offense is going to be way too much for Tech. They're going to pull away in the second half. Yep, I like the way the Cavs are playing. Uh, give me Virginia. Yeah, and Virginia losing the pit against uh, for, the, for the Coastal Division title. They don't have that pressure on them anymore. They can focus solely on beating Virginia Tech and then heading into the bowl game with momentum. And I think that happens. That that Pitt game gave me a lot of confidence in Virginia too because I I respect that Pittsburgh team. Um, I don't think that they're a top, top team, but I think they are one of the best litmus tests that I've seen in football this year to where I think that they're just a legitimate team. And if you beat them, I consider you a very, very solid team. And I like Virginia over Virginia Tech in that regard. Moving on, AM, LSU. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this this is, is a weird one to pick for me, too, because, well, AM's a better team, but does LSU have any, any end of season magic, or are they just going to kind of go out with a whimper? I think if you're LSU, you have to pretend that Jimbo Fisher is deciding what team he's going to coach based on who wins this game. I think that's how you have to uh, put yourself in a headspace if you're LSU. Um, you're, you're also coaching for. Coach O and right, wrong, or indifferent, those players want to, most of them want a championship with Coach O. Um, I know that there's a lot of love there, even though there's some issues internally. Um, really, really watch out for this one. An emotional LSU playing for Coach O in his last regular season game. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think AM pulls it off, but he, even right now, I still don't know which way to feel because my gut is telling me LSU. I'll add this LSU playing for a chance at a bowl game, too. I think that puts them over the edge. I think they're motivated. Uh, I think they nip Texas AM. The game is also in Death Valley. Great pick. Uh, LSU there. Our next game, Bedlam. That's the next one on the list, and this is also one of my favorites. I love Bedlam, and I love—I just love the name that they call yes. it Bedlam. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's so and, perfect. And th- this is Mike Gundy's favorite time of year. Um, I, I had heard from some Virginia Tech insiders that uh, that they didn't use the name, but basically saying that 
Mike Gundy is going to be the next coach of Virginia Tech. Um, Interesting. A, a, lot of, uh, a, a lot of folks, you know, you know, these internet people, they have sources, they're connected to the program whatsoever, you know, yada, yada. It happens every year. But it happens every year with Mike Gundy, and he gets a raise. Every year. Tennessee's got this guy two raises alone. Um, this is the time of year where he starts to feel really, really good. I think the Sooners bring him back down to earth. I think we get good Caleb Williams. I think we get good Oklahoma. Give me the Sooners in this one. OK State's favored by four, by the way. To do this. I was waiting to do this all day. Not so fast, my friend. The Pokes <laughs> are going to get it. The Pokes are going to get it done in Boone Pickens Stadium. Uh, I actually I have some family in Oklahoma that comes down on the OU side of this. Um, I may or may not be trolling them a little bit. Uh, I also have a couple good friends over in Raleigh who are Oklahoma State fans. Uh, I'd like to see them be happy. I'd like to see the Pokes win this game. And they're sitting at seven in the rankings right now. Uh, this team's got an outside shot if things fall yeah. uh, the, the right way to sneak into the playoff. I think that's motivation enough for Oklahoma State. And not that Oklahoma is out of the running, too, but Oklahoma State with the home field advantage, I've got the Pokes. Yeah, I think they're both in the same spot right now. They both have one loss. Um, I think this win looks amazing on either one of their resumes. Um, and like you said, championship week happens let's say michigan wins this weekend um you know crazier things have happened we've already we already had oregon take a huge tumble uh over the weekend um you know oklahoma oklahoma state each with one loss whichever one wins this one long as you win the title game you're you're probably going to the playoff if we're being honest probably probably not set in stone but probably a lot a lot of crazy stuff's gonna happen i have a yes before we get our final that, playoff right that's now. for that's for the next podcast but yes <laughs> no doubt about it before we get to our surprise indies of which i finally came up with one uh unc north carolina state black friday seven o'clock kickoff you obviously know who i'm picking uh i don't even have to say it but i am going to yeah. anyway. fuck, fuck carolina state's winning this game big sam howell's battling injuries carolina's had a disappointing season the game's in carter finley carolina fans don't give a shit about football they're not going to come to the game uh, it's going to be loud for state, and state is a better team. Frankly, here's what I here's what I like about this game. It's a surprisingly good game on paper. Both teams are already bowl, bowl eligible. Neither team is playing for ACC championship game placement. So this should just be a good old fashioned hate fest. There is no outside noise. Nobody's playing for anything except for just hatred of the other team. And that that is b the beauty uh, of this week. When you can get somebody who's playing for nothing and both teams who are playing for nothing, then you're just playing to because you hate that other team, if that makes sense. There's no other motivation except for hatred. And those make the best game. So maybe, maybe we add 2021 UNC NC State to our conference <laughs> for next year. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> excellent, excellent nod to the grinder. And I will say that State is State is still mathematically alive for the ACC Atlantic. No, uh, they, they have to win. They do have to win, and Wake Forest has to lose to Boston College, which is not going to happen. But the NC State no. game does happen before the Wake game, so it's not like they can just be like they're not. They're going to be mathematically eliminated. But yes, I want to see this on our minutes. next fight. I want to. I want this on our next fight list. For sure, for sure. This should be a really, really good one. <laughs> so, surprise, Indy. Uh, I'll start with mine, and I, I don't know what the line is. I haven't looked at the line, but this game is for the Conference USA East Division Championship. It is a rivalry that's not very publicized, and there aren't a lot of people who know about it, 
but this is a rivalry that runs deep. It's known as the Moonshine Throwdown. It is Western <laughs> Kentucky at Marshall, 3.30 Saturday on CBS Sports Network to see who gets to play UTSA in the Conference USA Championship. Uh, last year, Marshall went into Bowling Green and won 38-10. This is a much better Western Kentucky team. Bailey Zappi is lighting it up. I think he's eclipsed 40 touchdown passes. I think he's got 42 on the year. Uh, Western's going to be slinging the ball all around. Marshall's got Rasheen Ali on the ground, who has 20 rushing touchdowns. Uh, it's a clash of styles. It's Charles Huff's first uh, real big game as the coach of Marshall. It's in Huntington, um, and Marshall doesn't lose there a whole lot. Uh, I've got the Thundering Herd taking down Western Kentucky and going to this Conference USA title game. I'll go with you. You know, even though it's your surprise, Indy, I'm going with you. I'm taking the Fighting Mad Carnies um, over the Hilltoppers. And uh, Tyson Helton's still the head coach there, right? I'm not. He is. Okay, good. That's what I. He, he, I didn't. I didn't think he had gotten fired yet. Um, uh, he's probably not going to get fired from there. Well, but, no, but he also he also might get pulled by someone else. Uh. Yeah, he, a, a, a smaller up-and-coming school. I, something above Western Kentucky, I could see it. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, he, I don't think he's very good, but um, I think he'd be a great coordinator at a big school. Um, my surprise, Indy, and as, as I said earlier, this is for a, a friend who listens to the show, um, a friend who trash talks my friend Luke Nadkarni in the morning, sends him scoreboard pictures. I'm taking... <laughs> I'm taking the hot on fire South Carolina Gamecocks to beat their in-state rival Clemson Tigers. I love the way Beamer has his team playing in this second half of the year. Um, they have turned it around since that Tennessee game. Um, they annihilated Florida. Uh, they beat Auburn over the weekend. Just really, really big wins for them. Th this would be the literal icing cherry Everything on top of the cake they could want. Clemson does seem like they figured some stuff out on offense in the last couple of weeks, so that's not great considering their defense is really good. But when you're going for surprise indies, you're going for gut feelings. Worst South Carolina teams have beaten better Clemson teams in this rivalry. I like Shane Beamer a lot. I think he's going to play to prove he he's not interested. He's going to coach to prove he's not interested in that Virginia Tech job. Give me the Gamecocks in this one. I'm with. I'm gonna ride with you too, man. I I I'm no Clemson fan. I'm no South Carolina fan either. Yeah, um, me but neither. I learned over the weekend not to pick against Mike Barlow. So yeah, no, no November out. Mike. November Mike is is a thing, I guess. Now, um, now when you really want to catch him is in the fantasy playoffs because that dude's out in the first round every year when he makes it. But um, South Carolina's not in the playoffs, so I'm not worried about here. Uh, I. I, my heart would be so happy to see South Carolina beat Clemson because I would love to see my friend Mike Barlow enjoy that. I know how good that feels, and as much as I don't like South Carolina, I hope that he gets to experience that. It's been five, six years, I want to say now. Um, I, 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 hope he's, I hope he's elated by the end of that game. I, I do too, man. That, that, was a, that was a great... I really liked these Indies of the Week, how we did this kind of uh, rapid-fire game day style. Yeah. yeah you, you guys should let us know. Do you like this, where we go a little bit more brief on each game but get more in, or do you want to see a little bit more hard-hitting analysis of the big, big matchups? Um, I, I mean, of course, it's a little bit late in the year to apply it to college football, but still, as we move on to NFL, 
that will help us know what you want us to pick. Um, anything to add to that, Luke? No, but I, I agree that we, that's also something that I would like uh, listener input too. I uh, mean, you know, other segments that so you can suggest segments and you can also yeah. suggest, Hey, tweak this segment to, you know, add this or change this, how you do this. You know, this, this show is 100% open to interpretation uh, from the listeners. So we love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, it's a it's a joint effort to be blunt. And, <laughs> no doubt, and we're uh, we're just we're we're yeah we're we're just blazing through. We blaze through these topics, these four topics, and we have one more to get to before we wrap it up here. This last few minutes of the show, of course, it's Thanksgiving coming up, and the best part of Thanksgiving after the football is the food. And I know Thanksgiving food sometimes gets a reputation for being bland or not creative or whatever, but the truth is, I really really love it. And we are, I think, if I understood what you said off air correctly, we're kind of building our own favorite Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's really assemble the dream team, the, a dream Thanksgiving table, if you will. Um, and you don't have to eat what I eat. I don't have to eat what you eat. But let's let's put it all on the table together, at least, and and you know have a, have a nice feast. So you know, as you walk into the house, you know you. you I I I'm come from a family. We travel to our relatives for Thanksgiving. Um, we usually don't host it, so we're normally walking into a, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle's door, and you know, usually you get there, you're greeted with some sort of food just to kind of tide everyone over. Is, is that the same way? Like, do you guys have the same thing, or is it just you all eat at lunch? It depends. I tend to save myself for lunch. Um, there's usually just small things, crackers and cheese, you know, maybe some fruit uh, out on the table. Okay. Um, not super Thanksgiving stuff, but just stuff to tide you over. I am right. not a big eater before I tend to save myself. I might have a little bit in the morning. Um, but yeah, it's kind of kind of just, you know, fake food, uh, not real filling, hors d'oeuvres type, type stuff. So that's where I'm starting with mine. And my first food I'm putting out there. Not a food that I really, really like. Like, I would never eat them other than this time of year. But every time we walk in, there is always a tray ready to keep everyone, you know, tied over of deviled eggs. See, I do not like eggs, so that would not, that would not be what I pick. I, I don't either. Like I said, it's the only time of year that I eat them. And they're almost as good from a sentimental standpoint, like just from the tradition of it. Because I'll eat one or two and then be... Like I, I am done with it. I'm not a fan of them, really, but it's the it's the tradition of it. So deviled gotcha. eggs are like the appetizer for the Thanksgiving to me. For my okay, so so deviled eggs for you. I I kind of I, I guess I'm gonna go with the you know the crackers and cheese plate, the fruit plate, you know, maybe some grapes, um, maybe some some watermelon or cantaloupe or something like nice. that. Nice. Um, so that, so we got we've got our we've got our starters. Um, are yes, we going exactly. to side next main course? All right, well, you, you got to go to the sides. You got to okay, go to the, the sides. sides. So I'll start. My duty usually with my family is I'm in charge of the mashed potatoes. I nice. love mashed potatoes. I always have tons and tons of mashed potatoes on my plate, and I keep the skins in. Are you a skins in or skins out type of guy? Um, you know, I'm not the playoffs, so I could say the skins are in are fine. Um, <laughs> e either way, honestly, I, but but. They either need to be very buttery or have gravy. 
I'm not a plain potatoes person. Buttery, buttery for me. Buttery for me go. for sure with some salt and pepper. I, if you're using like the the the, the red spuds that have kind of like the, the you know that they're just kind of knotty, you get like real real chunks out of those. I can eat those with just butter. But if you're using kind of like a whiter, starchy, you know, traditional potato, I like some gravy on top of those. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, we like mashed potatoes, fairly standard, um, fairly standard side item. Another fairly standard side item I like is stuffing. Uh, love stuffing. Uh, really, really hard, hard to go wrong with it. D- dressing for our folks down here. Dressing, um, stuffing, yeah. Dressing. We, we always called it. So my, my family, I live in the South. Most of my family is actually from the Northeast, like D.C., Philadelphia. I got a little bit of family in New York. So, so for me, that was Thanksgiving was heading up north on 95 uh, for, for me. Um, and they, all, they call everything stuffing up there. There's, they don't know what dressing is. My, my family from North Carolina calls it stuffing because that's what's on the stovetop box. But <laughs> my family from Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, it's pretty much dressing to them. All right. Well, that stuff's good. So dressing, stuffing, mashed potatoes. The cranberry sauce is a point of content in my family. There's a contingent that likes the, the just the packaged stuff that looks like the can when you open it. And then there's a contingent that likes the actual all-natural stuff. I'm in the first group. I love the jelly, the, the, you know, the can-shaped jelly. <laughs> Dude, Thanksgiving's not about being right or wrong. It's about eating the things that you love. That's the beautiful thing about no it. So if you like it out of the can... Cut you out a big slice of cranberry sauce and go for it. If you like it plain, it's real easy. It's like a cup of sugar, a cup of water, some, you know, like 12 ounces of cranberries. Mix that stuff up for a while, and you're good to go. Like, it's super easy. Heard Michael Blackstone, Blackashaw, talking about it on um Around the Horn yesterday. He, he was just like, stop putting it in a... Stop eating canned cranberry sauce because it's so easy to make. So, funny you bring it up. I'm not a cranberry sauce person. Um, so it's not something I've ever had a opinion on. Um, my, my big go-to side item and the way that I judge any, any chef is their mac and cheese. Such a simple dish, but. Oh man. (laughs) The, the, the number of ways that it can be done wrong are. Honestly, the list is getting longer. I saw someone putting raisins in baked macaroni and cheese. Oh, no, no, no. That's awful. I I don't even like... Stop it, white people. Stop it. I mean, I don't even like mac and cheese. You won't find that on my Thanksgiving plate, but you also will not find raisins anywhere near it. (laughs) (laughs) You're not... You're not a cheese person. So th- this is why it works out. I'm going to get the whole macaroni and cheese from the right hash Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm not a cheese person. I'm not really a pasta person either. So that's just, that's like two, two X's right there. I'm, I'm much more partial to rice, which makes sense because I am part Asian. So that, that does make sense. <laughs> now on occasion, we will have, uh, I, I don't always do Thanksgiving in the same place every year. Um, so some years we ha- we have like, uh, We'll have someone bring some sides from like Bojangles or something like that. And if you're talking rice, the Bojangles dirty rice hits oh, different on Thanksgiving. Red, yeah, oh, I almost said red beans and rice, but that's Popeyes. Yeah, yeah, it's Popeyes. Um, <laughs> um, so the dirty rice hits different. Yeah. If if anyone's just out there need, needs a quick Thanksgiving, pick me up dirty rice from Bojangles. Way to go! Yeah. So we've got those. Now the bread item is important: cornbread rolls. I've I've heard of people doing biscuits for Thanksgiving. Um, especially down here in the south. Uh what what's your choice there? Yeah, we don't do as much cornbread on Thanksgiving. We do tr- pretty traditional dinner rolls. Um 
honestly really not my favorite part of it. The dinner rolls that they like that most most of the Thanksgivings that I go to like to use are the ones that are kind of easy to overcook. They get hard on top and, you know, by the time you really get around to using it, it's already cold. Um so I I honestly tend to skip the bread unless it's a yeast roll. If they got one of those nice yeast rolls, I'll put some ham in there, make myself a a, a nice little ham sandwich on the side. Really really good to go from there. Cornbread, not something that we usually have at Thanksgiving, though. And you just mentioned ham as we uh, we move kind of toward the end of our our eighth episode, Thanksgiving episode of the right hash. You mentioned ham. Some people do ham and turkey. Some people only do ham. Most people do turkey. So ham is a present is present at your Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. Normally we have ham and turkey, um, and sometimes we will actually have two hams. We'll have like. Uh, a, a spiral ham and then like a, a honey baked ham. So we'll have two different types of hams. One more, that's more like for for slicing for sandwiches, and then one that's more, I guess, for eating more like a steak. Like you, you're going to eat just the ham itself. You're not using it as an ingredient to anything else. Um, yeah, we so never, actually, uh, go ahead. We we have, we have we usually have th- the three meats: two hams, one turkey. We we never really did ham. We we were, were always turkey. Um, I'm a white meat guy by choice. I'll eat the dark meat. I like it all. Um, but I'm I'm big on the leftovers too, man. The leftovers are almost as good as uh almost as good as the meal itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I that that's half the reason you have Thanksgiving is to eat the the leftovers. It's almost better. But I just mean the turkey specifically, man. That the turkey just keeps it just keeps on hitting. Yeah. As as long as long as you got someone who knew how to cook the turkey initially. Um, and you don't wind up with dry turkey. That happens sometimes. It's okay on Thanksgiving, but it makes it hard to to use leftovers. So you you got to have someone now, who knows what cate- they're doing back there. For sure. Two more categories here before we wrap up. Obviously, we talked about a little bit about dessert at the beginning. We're going to go back to dessert, but any greens? Are there any greens involved in your uh, your Thanksgiving dinner? I my does. We often do like not really casserole, but we'll do like green beans or like a salad or spinach or something like that. Yeah. So my favorite is broccoli casserole. It's, you know, broccoli casserole. And on top of it is, uh, crust, uh, cheese. It's really, really good. Um, green bean casserole with, uh, the onion straws on top. I've heard, yeah, I've heard of people, I've heard of people using cornflakes too. Uh, for the green bean casserole. Yeah. Just for, to add some crunch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really all you're looking for there with, with whatever you use, onion straws, cornflakes, all that works. Um, and, uh, I, I'm a big person for butter beans, llama beans, whatever you Mm. call them. Uh, always got to put a spoonful of those on there too. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big, I'm just, I like a good salad. Sometimes we just do like a, you know, like a big olive garden style salad in a big bowl. Nice. That, that acts as a side dish. Um, but I also like, I, I like pretty much anything that's green, uh, cooked, raw, anything. So fair, fair yes, enough. greens, definitely many types of greens on my Thanksgiving table. Um, and dessert, apple pie, my little brother makes the best. Apple. I, I'm really looking forward to, to having some apple pie, um, from Daniel Ned Carney, uh, this, this Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving, um, apple pie is great. Uh, ice cream on top, apple pie with a little vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Um, Man, it's that's where it's at. Uh, if if we have if we have an apple pie, that's what I go for. Um, regardless of if we have one or not, I'm always going to get myself a little slice of pumpkin pie with some whipped cream. Just 
for the season. Um, you know, I, I'm not really picky on if it hand, you know, homemade, store bought. I don't really care. It's, you know, it it is what it is. It's all going to the same place. But we have this thing that uh, one of my cousins makes, and it's she doesn't make it often at all. But it's called Divinity. Some folks have heard of it. Some folks haven't. Um, and I'm really not even sure what it is. But it's basically kind of like it's kind of like almost like a minty dough. And it's rolled up with peanut butter on the inside. So it's like a peanut butter roll. Um, and it's just, it is mind-blowing. Whenever me and my dad get it, we we had to take one piece out and just put it back in the freezer. Otherwise, we will devour the entire container of whatever it is immediately. Um, it's just fantastic. If I ever wind up with some, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a bite if you would like. It's really, really good. Um, but that's that. That's kind of like the unique tradition dessert for my family. And my so my my grandma. This was all more toward Christmas, but just around these holidays, she used to make Buckeyes. These uh, those peanut butter, yeah, peanut butter chocolate balls, and those those were just the best. Sadly, she passed away a few years ago. Um, but I always try to get some Buckeyes around this time of year too, if I'm not going to get pie. Well, Buckeyes are usually good this time of year in multiple. <laughs> no doubt about it. And remember, we both think they're going to be Michigan uh, this weekend. But boy, that was—I I liked having that little, little, uh, little ending segment there. We're being being festive, cooling it down a little. Not talking about sports, but talking about our our Thanksgiving dinner, which we're both going to get to spend with our families and stuff. So that's that's nice. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to have a really good right hash feast. Oh yes, feast, feast—one of my favorite words in the English feast. language. Yes, and it's using it in crazy. different contexts of food and when somebody in basketball is scoring a lot of baskets or, or something like that, just a, just a great word all around. And we hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving feast as well, wherever you get to celebrate it, whoever you get to celebrate it with. Uh, we, we just hope everything goes awesome. We hope anyone who's traveling goes awesome. And, and we hope you follow us at the right hash and tweet us uh, anything you want us to hear us talk about. Uh, we, we are a show of the people, as I like to say. Yeah. Uh, everyone stay safe out there. If you're, if you're traveling, um, you know, hunker down. This is this is a great sports time of year. You know, we've got football on Fridays. We've got full, three games on Thursday. Um, got some really great basketball tournaments that are going on as well. Um, I know that's not something we've talked about too much, but uh, I would say in the next week or two, once college football is kind of in bowl season, we'll probably move on to some college basketball routinely. Um, this is where it all starts. This is where we really get the litmus test for who's good. So just a great sports time of year. Have have fun enjoying it with your family. Um, hopefully you can convince whoever you're going to Thanksgiving with to turn on the TV and have the game on in the background. I understand that's a bit of a problem for some people. Um, but I'll be watching all the games. If anyone needs any updates, tweet me. I'll give you some updates. Um, but everyone enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to drop us a follow. And uh, Luke, you wanna you wanna send us off? Yeah, man. Thank thank you for uh, thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me, Alex, across the yeah. state of North Carolina. We I we I enjoy doing this. I know you enjoy doing it too. And after the holiday, we're gonna have another episode for you. We're gonna talk about how how we did on our picks and the bowl picture too, the conference championship thing, the bowl picture. It's all gonna become a little bit clearer after the holiday. So thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and have a great Thanksgiving. Stay safe, stay safe everyone. And you have been listening to the right hash. <laughs>